Welcome back to the Director's Letter and Executive Insights. I am Dan Daly. We're continuing our discussion here today with two senior partners uh, from the firm Goodwin, working out of their Boston office, uh, Lisa Haddad to my left, and beyond that, Stuart Cable, and Sue, uh, Stuart is also vice chairman of the firm. In our first session, we had a lot of robust discussion really on cash positions, liquidity, where money is coming from, and really a reality check based on their hands-on and current experience in terms of some of the challenges facing the CEO, the CFO, or a member of board of directors regarding the realities dealing with 2023 going forward and cash. So I've asked them to continue now. And uh, the, the model I'd like to do is I'm the CEO of a, of a, a uh, a pretty successful, rapid growth company, and my board is asking me, uh, Dan, w w should we be looking at doing an acquisition, uh, or maybe this is the ideal time for to us to sell to somebody big? So, Lisa, I know that you and Stuart are involved in that. Uh, give me guidance uh, as a highly trained, qualified, and intelligent CEO on all the dumb things I'm saying. So, Lisa, please, those are the, those are the two scenarios: buy or get the hell out of here. Okay, let me start with the buy side. Okay, fine. So I think that companies that are considering doing acquisitions in the current market right. have to consider a lot of the things that we talked about in the first okay. segment. Feel right? free to repeat them, though. Okay, yeah. Well, it's, you know, is if you're going to need to borrow money to do the acquisition, is that available and on right. what terms, right? right? In the current interest rate market and right. the credit market. And just because you're dealing with somebody previously doesn't mean they're going to play this game. Yes, and you may be diversifying into a different type of business or an adjacent business, and so that's a different type of credit risk okay. for the lender. Great. Um, the second piece is, well, maybe I'll use my own equity, right? Maybe I'll issue stock, and mm -hmm. we're seeing more of that in the current market where stock-for-stock -stock okay. deals are getting done. That's a good idea. But that creates a lot more complexity. You're diluting right. your existing stockholders, right. so you need to make sure they're on board, and then you have to do a relative valuations mm -hmm. between the two companies, right? You're not just valuing the target, there's also a valuation of the buyer and right. what the target's willing to take right. in terms mm -hmm. of the value of that paper. So more complex. So more complex. And then I'd say the other big thing that companies have to wrestle with at the outset is the current regulatory environment. So are there any antitrust issues or potential issues with respect to doing an acquisition? Even if I'm a, even if I'm a small technology company, that has to be a consideration? Yeah, I mean, the threshold for filings is is not very big and mm -hmm. the hot industries are actually where right. the regulators are taking a close look and it's not just in the US, it, it's ex-US as well. Okay. So if, any, if people are selling things ex-US or have operations mm -hmm. ex-US, you have to take that into account. And so that all sort of factors into um, what the, the risk to closing may be mm -hmm. and also the time frame for getting a deal done. Okay, okay. Those are, those are all good things to, to, to worry about. What about something, let's say uh, you, you're in the, the biotech environment. What about uh, the status of my patents? Um, you know, FDA, FDA approval, or do I have it, do I not? Am I selling any revenue? How does that impact on the situation if I'm going to use, you know, some collateral from my own company to buy somebody? <clears throat> or, or, or even borrow money. And I get, I get, I get two blockbuster drugs. I've got, they're not out there yet, but they're, they're, they're coming soon. Yeah, I mean, the issue with the biotech companies that are in um, development phase is right. they have no revenues, right? right? So right. people are. We've, we've had these discussions numerous not times. To right. borrow money to people with that don't have, you right. know, the revenues. Right. So they're going to be more dependent on um, 
their shareholders to either put in additional money or they could, you know, Okay, so let's let, let's take them off the thing. Maybe there's some. Maybe that's a reason that a company that should be sold, not come on, that should be buy. Okay, all right, all right. What are some? Uh, if if I'm going out and you you've uh, listed some of them, what are what what are some of the uh, other whoops factors that can happen? I mean, I'm 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 looking at this. I think the finance is okay. Don't don't, don't I want to look at the the product and the management team and how complex the integration is going to be? And do I have the people and the finance for that integration? Yes, so there's extensive due diligence that you would have to do on the other company. Um, and if you're doing a transaction where it's a stock for stock transaction, there's reverse due diligence. The target has to do due diligence on you right. because they need to make sure that they're comfortable right. taking your paper. Right, right. Um, and then there's, you know, social issues that you might have to deal with around the employees and the management team and what does the integrated company look like. Yep. And when, when every look, deal that Stuart and I do, the right. management teams are convinced that it's going to be a seamless integration. Oh, sure. And, it, and it never is, right, as right, we all know. Right. Um, but thinking about how that work would need to be done and how that could impact kind of the core business as it's operating Absolutely. today is an important thing that the board should be testing with right, the management right. team. Well, the, the scenario I, I give that you, you, you're buying a company that looks like they have a couple of blockbuster products, but there ain't any revenue yet. Yep. You got you to kick, kick those tires. And you, you mentioned, you mentioned, even though they're small deals, the idea of the, uh, the antitrust. Now, speaking to what you put on your, your lawyer hat, uh, I buy that company, all the li liabilities that come with that company are now mine. Correct. A lot of times people kind of ignore that. So it, the, 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 the due diligence of saying, what is there behind that closed door that I'm not aware of? And, you know, we both talked a lot about companies that uh, came on board and there was some stuff there that nobody bothered to look at and it came around and caught you where it shouldn't have. Okay. So that's... Uh, one important trend yeah. that's affecting the public M&A market, uh, and Lisa and I just went through a nightmare uh, challenging transaction, is the world of activism. Is, oh, the, yeah. You know, you, you, people think of activists as, oh, they're going to run directors against my slate of directors. That's only one form of activism. Right, right. Another form of activism is what I call M&A activism, where a deal is announced and the activists take a position opposing the deal, either on the buy side or the sell right, side. Right, right. So Lisa and I just completed a transaction uh, for a Canadian company called uh, RB Global, formerly called Richie's, where they, in a stock-for-stock -stock transaction or mixed consideration uh, transaction, bought a company for, I don't know, $7 billion, uh, and they announced the transaction. And the day they announced the transaction, their stock declined 20%. Oh. And uh, an activist... Does that kill the deal? Or? An activist arose on the buy side saying, you're paying too much, stick to your own knitting, don't do this deal. And an activist arose on the sell side saying, you're not paying enough. Pay more if you want me. Okay. And so we had we had a political, you know, proxy contest voting uh, solicitation go on for months. We adjusted the mix of consideration. We ultimately won stockholder approval on both sides. The transaction took eleven months wow. to execute. Now, would, would could either side have walked? without penalties by just saying this is a material impact and it's not part of the deal I'm walking? 
Was there, was there a clause for that or they didn't want to exercise it or? Lisa? I mean, generally speaking, they had to bring it through to the shareholder vote and let the shareholders decide. Got it. Okay. And so that is an important element in these types of transactions is figuring out, you know, sometimes you only need a shareholder vote on the sell side if it's a cash transaction. Right. So, but if you have a buy side transaction, you may also need a shareholder vote on the buy side. And so thinking that through, if you're dealing with a private company, there may be enough shareholders around the table, right? Because they're representing the boardroom by directors so that you can be comfortable that you're probably gonna get the shareholder vote. Mm -hmm. um, but it is important to sort of think that through and the yeah. communications around the transaction um, because you are ultimately selling that transaction to your shareholders. And in general, you don't get to have buyer's remorse. So the fact that right. your stockholders didn't like it or- Too bad. Uh, the fact your stock price went down, you know, there is a material adverse effect clause in all merger agreements, but in public company mergers in particular, uh, it's almost impossible. Oh, really? It's only been done once. It's almost impossible to kind of say, never mind, I changed I'm my mind. I'm walking away and not paying anything. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's, uh, that's, that, that's good. So the idea, I'm protected by paper. That, that clause is right there. It's just like some of these employment clauses. That's right there. It doesn't make any difference. Super. One of the things, though, that people forget that is pointed out in these stock-for-stock -stock transactions is that the board directors is, for the most part, in these major transactions, making a recommendation to the stockholders. They are not themselves, the directors are not themselves the decision maker. Right, right. And so, you know. They got to sell it to the stockholders, right. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, buzzword, do uh, proactive short sellers impact any of these things? That's kind of a buzzword you hear that are just out there to cause trouble. So in a public transaction, as soon as you announce the deal, mm -hmm. you should expect to have some significant turnover in your shareholder base. Got it. And the ARBs come in, activists could come in. Right. Um, so when you sign up the deal and you say, okay, this, these are our long holders, we right. know that they believe in the management team, they believe in the company, that may not be the same exact group you're dealing with. Right, right. We, we, which says at all times, you're a public company, know who owns your company. And uh, they're, all, they're, all, they're all great people, they love us. Well, your stock's gone up and up and up and up, of course they all love you. What about the people that don't love you? What are the, so I mean, I, I think that's, that's good advice, not just in this situation, but anytime. I mean, the compensation committee, the audit committee, the fine, should know who owns the company because they can jump in like, you know, Stuart Newell yes. said. And the more important point, though, in an M&A context that Lisa is making is that you're going to wake up the day after you announce the transaction with a very, very significant new set of stockholders. Sure. You're long only, you're all, you're all your old-time fans. Right. When you're on the sell side, take their money and go home. They don't want to wait three or four months while the transaction's being approved and going through regulatory shenanigans. Yes. They take their money, come, ho come home, go, go home. And then both long investors that are arbitrageurs and short sellers betting against the deal come flying into the stock and all of a sudden you don't know these people. And, and when, when you use the example, this went on over 11 months, you can really change a lot of players in 11 months. Maybe the single most important trend in M&A for practitioners like me and Lisa right. that is different today than it was two years ago, everything takes longer and is more complicated. And people are changing and numbers are changing. Markets are changing. Antitrust is changing. 
okay, and the stock market's changing, and if we're doing the biotech, the FDA is in, the FDA is out, the UK is going on antitrust. I mean, it's, it's really, all right, let's, let's j just jump, and uh, we spent a couple of minutes on this one. Um, uh, well, listening to the two of you, uh, I've, I've, I've told my board that we're not gonna do any acquisitions. I'm exhausted just listening to the two of you, okay? So now I think maybe uh, I wanna say to my board, um, let's see if we can sell this thing. Now, what, what do I have to worry about now that I've taken that to, 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 to the board? I mean, there's got to be, you know, you people know, it's a very attractive company. There's a lot of people who want to buy this, and they want to buy it for some serious money. So the board and our major stock, there's a good chance to catch out. So um, I call up and you say, Lisa, let's, let's forget the acquisition. I want to sell this thing. I want to make a lot of money on this thing. So that's actually an important point, which is companies are bought, they're not sold. Okay, okay, right. So just because you've decided Great that point. you would Great like point. to sell the company doesn't mean that you're going to find somebody right. who's... You're threatening to my ego by challenging <laughs> me on that. You do know that. Okay, all right, fine. Uh, they bought those. Okay, yep. So, you know, from a, the sell side perspective, you have to figure out whether this is the right time to, to, to okay. think about um, a potential sale process yep. and what are, what if any inflection points Right. are coming up in the business that you may want to see through before you sell. So if you're and thinking about thing, a so biotech you, company, I'm really right? the first thing you do is don't call uh, the investment banker and say, price this thing for me. You've got to do some homework. Well, you have to think about where you are in kind of the company's mm -hmm. timeline. And, you know, I'll use a biotech example. If you have data coming out or you have a regulatory mm -hmm. event coming right. up, do you want to turn that card over first? Mm -hmm. That can increase the value of the company or that could right, decrease right, the value right. of the company um, do you have a next phase of the company that you're moving towards where you're going to have to do a significant investment to move mm -hmm. it to the next level yeah, yeah. Um, so there's things that i th that you have to think about from a, a business perspective and then there's this kind of you know pressure that we've had on valuations right as 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 we've seen companies go down in value at least through their market cap and otherwise um, People have to sit back and say, do I have the time to be patient to wait to see if my valuation catches up to where I think it needs mm -hmm. to be? Mm -hmm. Now, I think a lot of people in the boom market had ideas about their valuation that were, may not have been realistic. Right, right. Um, but that doesn't mean that some are at levels now where they're below where they might mm -hmm. want to sell. Mm -hmm. So all of that sort of factors into whether you think this is the right time. And then you have to think about who are my universe of potential buyers mm -hmm. and what are they doing and what access to capital they have. So a lot of transactions were getting done with private equity buyers, yep. but if they're not able to access capital in the same way that they were before and with the same return on investment that they were mm -hmm. getting before, mm -hmm. you may have less competition from financial buyers and you're looking more strategic. You know, you, you, you bring up some, some excellent points and uh, you know, uh, okay, I, I haven't done this before uh, who, do, who do I make some calls to and how do I put this team together? My, you know, my, my brother Harry works for the, the big bank, but he's a nitwit, okay? I mean, you're, you're talking about an awful lot of data and scenarios that have to be done. I mean, who, who are some of the players, if we're serious about this, and we, we think we can do it, but what's the, team going, what's the team going to look like internally and who do we have outside? I mean, our lawyers, investment bankers, who are some of these players? Because I think I know what I'm doing, but I'm smart enough to know I'm not really sure I know what I'm doing. So help me a bit, Lisa. Yeah, so uh, I mean. Who's in this team? It's yeah, not going to be Stuart, it might be you. 
Okay. Well, you should definitely not call Stuart. Well, I, 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 mean, I just want to put that on the record. I think we've all learned just, that from these many the videos. Record. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's right. Yes. Right. Um, so obviously, if the CEO is thinking about that, he needs to talk to the board. He needs to go to the board chair, yep. say, I want to have a discussion around this, and um, start socializing it with the board and getting feedback from the board. Um, if the board thinks this is something that they want to consider at that point, then it is appropriate to start bringing in an outside advisor team, your investment banker, um, your lawyers, yep. um, to come in and talk to you about what the yep. markets are, yep. who the universe of buyers would be, the regulatory you know, risks that you should be thinking about and how it all kind of fits together. Yep. I'm gonna interrupt you just for a second though, but when I talk to this board, I'm the CEO, I'm the leader, I've got to have confidence that these people understand what the heck I'm talking about. If you haven't got a board that can function at that level of sophistication, then you can really have a, have a problem. So, I mean, you, you have to say, what, what's my board? Mm -hmm. And if you say, well, okay, for something like this, they're, 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 they're a B plus, they're pretty good. Uh, but no, in this case, none of them have been down this deal. They, they, don't, they don't know the two of you. They don't know the investment banker. I mean, they're, they're good people, but they're day-to-day -day operating people. This is another game. So you start with saying, what have I got that's on my team wearing the same uniform before you go out and do those? Is that, is that a fair, fair statement that you've got you, you, you to know who's on your board? And, and at the same time, who are your investors, investors outside that may screw this whole thing up? So you definitely do need to think about your board. Okay. And sometimes people put a committee together okay. of the board to kind of spearhead the you know day to day right. of considering a sale process that right. ultimately goes to the full board for approval. Um, so you can you can think about which of your directors may be more oriented towards right. okay. M and A environment. I also think that your bankers and your lawyers can go in and do some education for the board right. and kind of take them through case studies or um, M and A preparedness, right. so they sort of understand, have a, a sense of the preview of coming attractions, and understand what their fiduciary duty is and thinking through um, a potential sale process. So you have to have confidence in those third parties that you bring in, your law firm, your investment bankers, that type of thing. Okay, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And in terms of like the internal team, often you want to keep that relatively small within right. the company because you don't want there to be leaks internally that the company may be in sale mode because right. you have issues with your employees. So typically so that's you That's going to be a pretty frank yes. discussion. Yeah. So eyeball typically it's the C-suite, maybe some of your BD people, um, but it's a relatively small group usually internally until you get to the point where there's something actionable and you need to bring in a bigger team. Okay. Okay. You look like you've got a question there, Mr. Gable. No, I do think for every public company, um, because you never can tell when you may get a hostile overture. Right, right. Even if you weren't thinking of proactively selling your business, you always, you and your board, your CEO and your board should be aligned up front all the time okay. on if something happens, who's our go-to investment banker? You should be aligned up front as to what your long-range plan is. Every public company board. You should identify board, that team. Every long-range, every public company board should have an LRP that they're refreshing, at least annually or more annually, yep. and they should have their SWAT team of bankers and lawyers and okay. potentially communication specialists Excellent. ready to go just in case. You know that, that that's because I've been involved in discussions of do you have not not the LRP uh, P, a crisis management team that you know. Who are the lawyers that you're going to go? 
who were these, who were those. You got the crisis management. But you're saying, in addition to that, Dan, you, if you're considering what Lisa's talking about, you ought to have that team and, and not try to assemble it in 24 hours because you've already talked about it. And, and maybe uh, uh, it's once every six months you review who's the crisis management team and who's the long-range planning team. And I, I would say some companies have the crisis management team identified, maybe not updated. I would say, Stuart, that a lot of companies, even though they think they're sophisticated, don't have exactly what you're talking about. They, they assemble it. They assemble it when somebody comes up with the idea, they want to sell this. Or, or somebody approaches them. They, they say, yeah, well, we have an annual budget. Yeah, right. And right. I say, that's not a long-range plan. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And you never know when the hostile person is going to knock on the door, okay, or the positive thing, I, ne I can't believe these people want to buy us. So th th there's a lot of things here, which, which, which gets really back to what we talked about in the first section. Today, you've got to do a lot of thinking and planning beyond just what's the revenue from our various product lines. I mean, it is complicated running a company, you know it as, as, as well as I do, running a company today because of all of the things that are out there and all the different peoples that 20 years ago you never had to deal with, plus this economic, uh, global economic thing where things just change you know, all, all the time, all the time. Well, that is, Lisa, um, you're, you're every bit as smart as I thought you were. So that's, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I want to thank uh, Lisa Haddad and, and Stuart Cable. Lisa's done a great job uh, talking to the uh, prospective uh, CEO uh, about whether or not that individual uh, can do an acquisition and what are the challenges there. Or the flip side, uh, can they do a sale? Okay, and remember, you don't sell the company, you wait for a buyer. Is it, what's the terminology again? Companies aren't sold, they're bought. Companies aren't sold, but bought. I'll take either. Okay, so I want to I I thank two good friends, uh, Lisa Haddad and Stuart Cable from Goodwin Proctor. Once again, we've enjoyed ourselves, and if you haven't learned something from us today or something from them today, you haven't been listening. So thank you very much to the two of them, and thank you for your attention.